we rolling? Okay. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we're back with another episode of Life Exchange. Um, so we always chit chat before we start recording. And then, uh, and then I wonder, why don't we have this recording all the time? But... <laughs> Well, as we were having this conversation and mom starts to cry and stuff like that, <laughs> I, I was thinking life exchange is not fake. No. I mean, when we hit record, this is our conversations all the time. So you're just being invited into them. So we're, we're talking about something and mom's thinking about legacy and crying. And I'm thinking. And it was beautiful. I thought yeah, it was I, I'm not, And I looked at your face and you were like, I don't know what to do in this moment. Well, I was thinking <laughs> we could get paid for this mo- moment and hit record. <laughs> well, we don't get paid, but, <laughs> yeah. but still. We could get some content out of this. Do you want to reenact it, mom? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can reenact it. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. I'll just, just leave the people of, wondering. Of her legacy. It well, wasn't so much legacy. It's about the gratitude for for what we have, what we have right now. And so often we are so driven to fulfill these big visions when in actuality we have the most beautiful things right in front of us. And so really the story was at church on Sunday, you know, there's my daughter, Rebecca, on the stage getting ready to work for worship, and Joel's up there ready to lead worship, and Katie comes up to do her thing, and this blast of gratitude hit my soul of saying, wow, this is really success. This is really healthy. This is so beautiful. Uh, And then, of course, my grandson's in the back doing multimedia and my daughter in love is back doing sound and just it was just a beautiful moment and so often we don't put the value on things that really hold the most value so it was kind of a moment like that and when she said it before there were tears yeah it was a little bit more detail but yeah it's okay to cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Joel doesn't have a sarcastic remark, he goes, I don't know what to do with this emotion right now. Oh, I had them in my head, oh, but I was did. like. <laughs> this is not a time. I, I'm starting to learn, like, not every comment. Like, the other day we were in a meeting, and I said something, and no one heard me, and then someone was like, did you have something? I was like, no, it was uh, snarky. It's not worth saying. <laughs> Sometimes I get irritated because, like, we're in a meeting, you do that, and it just derails. I was like, okay, was that necessary? <laughs> well, it doesn't derail because mom and dad don't even don't respond to it, it because they don't well, even catch it. I mean, it you look at you... my eyes. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, that's why I do it. I say it, and then I look at because it's on Zoom, so I'm like, did Katie catch that one? <laughs> mom and dad never do. <laughs> Is it a generational thing? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if my kids are sarcastic. Actually, I've never really heard them sarcastic. I think maybe my daughter gets some of that maybe from me. Hmm. But when she tries to pull it on me, I was like, well, I, I'm the professional <laughs> in the house. So if you want to play this game, we can play this game. <laughs> She backs off. That's my major pain impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big important character in your family. Yes. You name the dog after it and everything. Sometimes. Well, in the beginning, I was thinking, was that a wise choice to name our dog Major Pain? <laughs> but he he worked through all that and I mean the way that Aaron and Layla talk about the dog. It, pain does not relate to their description. It's more like he's the best thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> Even though I don't mean it, I still like to talk about how we can possibly get rid of him. <laughs> Just to get a reaction. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they even react anymore because <laughs> it's all been, a, how how do you say it, like uh, uh, claims without teeth or like all... All, all bark and no bite kind of thing. No pun intended. And the older he no gets, the easier I'm, it is. I missed it. Yeah. 
All bark and no bite. Yeah. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So we're here for a purpose, right, yes, Mom? A purpose. And what is that purpose? Life exchange. Well, yeah. Okay. Our topic for today. Oh, our topic. We'll let Katie do that. We're gonna talk about the kingdom of God. Just, you know, a little little topic. I'm sure we'll be able to cover everything. Was that sarcastic? <laughs> that was sarcastic, yeah. So, um, but we had kind of gotten a topic written in or this question of um, what does it actually look like to seek first the kingdom of God in like everyday life in a practical sense, which I love that question because I love the practicality of, of, you know, what does this actually look like? Like I was at a, I was at an event yesterday, like a an educational seminar and I'm sitting there and I'm going, I know this is really good information, but what do I, what does this actually mean for my life? Like how do we actually apply these things? Um, so I appreciate this question um, and we'll see how it goes as we talk about it. <laughs> so do we want to start with like, general like what how are we defining the kingdom of god like as we talk my definition is the rule which is the authority the rule and reign of god so it's his rule and reign in a general sense but his rule and reign in my life and so if i allow him to rule and reign in my life then literally the kingdom of god is manifested in me for me with me and through me mm-hmm. so that's my basic perspective of the kingdom yeah yeah that sounds good don't expect me because i'm reordering <laughs> my uh, my moving, desk right now moving so. uh, electronics around i think yeah i mean i think i like i see it the same way as you um like god's ultimate or original um intent which never changes so like it's it's god's way it's his his ultimate <laughs> i don't you said it better than I, but um, did you want to add anything? Are you done over there? Yeah, I think I think I'm ready to go. Okay. So when I first read this question, the first thing I thought of was a kingdom has a king, mm-hmm. and a kingdom is also a reflection of the king. Mm-hmm. So this kingdom that we're in has a king which goes back to authority rule that we are under authority that we're under his rule, but also like the characteristics of the kingdom Mm -hmm. are a reflection of the King. Yeah. So in order to seek the kingdom, you know, the, the big verse that kind of Mm -hmm. fits with this question is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So in order to seek the kingdom, you must seek him mm-hmm. and ultimately know the king. Mm-hmm. And I think we miss that sometimes, especially in the US of A. You know, we 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 place so much emphasis on what we want or how we see the world. But well, I mean the founding of our country was anarchy from the king. So <laughs> rebellion kind of from sense. the king. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a history there. Um you know, in the kingdom of God, there's his rule, his reign, and we, we submit to that. So seeking the kingdom is seeking, seeking the king. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe it's so important that we recognize his character and his nature. Because if he really does rule and reign in my life, then and he is the one with whom I seek then my life and my attitudes, my actions, uh, it's a, a lifelong journey of being more and more conformed into his image. Because if we well, that's represent why I said the kingdom him, of God, yeah, the kingdom of God represents or is a reflection of the king. And I feel like sometimes, and it's been true throughout history, that people have used the kingdom of God for their own agenda. Right. But to know the kingdom of God is to know the king and to seek after the king, seek after his ways. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So there's a connection to the person Mm -hmm. of God, Jesus, and seeking him 
and then all these things will follow. And his righteousness is his character. And, you know, the word declares, let this mind, uh, the thoughts, the ways, the character uh, of the kingdom of Christ to be formed inside of us. And really, that's how we obtain the greatest level of our personal success is when who he is is manifested in me. I mean, if if his rule and reign is established inside of me, I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to love my life. Uh, uh, I'm going to view things in a healthier, godlier, eternal perspective. I mean, one of my big passions in in my book on leadership is serving a higher cause, and I believe that's seeking first the kingdom. Uh, now, of course, it was a marketplace version, so I, I wasn't preaching in the book, but uh, from my perspective, when I say serving a higher cause, that's who I am serving. And if that's what I'm building, then that will empower me because uh, he's my leader that I will lead more effectively because of the kingdom of God inside of me. That's where the fear of the Lord, I believe, really comes from. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I know we've talked about that a couple episodes ago, mm -hmm. but I think the fear of the Lord comes from really knowing the king of the kingdom. Well, and I, I always think like, I think of the garden. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking of <laughs> gardens. <laughs> you dream of gardens. You... I do. Um, but looking at the original design, we were created in the image and likeness of, of God. We were created to look like him and immediately assigned to co-reign with him, to co-labor with him. So um, we were always given, at least in my theology, <laughs> we were always given that choice to partner with him um, as representatives of him, looking like him, acting like him, um, have, you know, his character, those things operating in us. That's the way we were created. Um, and then that choice that we all have, um, you know, Adam and Eve had it, but we all have it is to choose to do things our own way instead of doing things with him. Yeah. So it was, it was choosing, we were given just so much for, like freedom to reign with him, mm -hmm. but choosing to do things on our own way, which then leads to what we have now is just ego-driven human beings living their own way. So it's that, um, like it could be seen as that, like returning to a co-reigning, a co-laboring. What does that look like? We don't know what that looks like as a very self-absorbed, society. Um, so it's, it's a, a, to me, it's for me personally, like it's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of building trust. It's a lot of getting to know who he is, which was who I was created to be as an image bearer of God. Um, and, and the amazing fruit that comes from that, our first instruction, be fruit, like bear fruit. Like it's good when we do this. Um, so I think it is a life journey of like, what does that look like to be in the image and likeness of God, um, and to trust the King to, to co-labor and to co-reign with him. Yeah. I think one of the points or the emphasis of that scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added is to point your focus and your, your affection and your direction towards the kingdom and his righteousness. And yes, of course, as you, like I said before, that the kingdom has a king and that king has authority. So as you submit to his authority, you are then under the care of the kingdom. What does it say? All these things will be added to you. So I think this, like you said, in our society, we're so self-focused. We're so uh, concerned about meeting our own needs. But mm -hmm. this verse is saying, hey, listen, under this kingdom, all these things will be added, but the attention, the focus needs to be put on the kingdom or the king 
and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. So I think this verse is about, with many other things, like putting the correct correct perspective of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's our emotional and spiritual positioning. And, you know, I was just thinking about life exchange and how we have defined that as like the three of us exchanging of life and that interaction. But we have a life exchange with our creator. He's our creator. He's our father. He is uh, our our king. He, he is one who uh, doesn't just have authority over, but authority with us. And when we embrace his life and give him our life out of that exchange, we really are positioned for success. I mean, that really is fulfillment in life. I've recognized when I do things that are contrary to the nature and the character of God, contrary to his kingdom, I'm not loving my life at all. You know, I'm miserable. But when my thoughts and my ways align with his thoughts and his ways, then there's that that awareness and that fulfillment that I am having that life exchange with my creator. And it is causing all things to be added unto me. And you can feel that. It's really powerful. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But like when you said that it sets us up for success, that's you're not saying like success in terms of how the world views success. Correct. So, well, it kind of goes back to my story in the beginning. You know, when we came and started our church and did all these things, I had all these visions of sugar plums dancing in my head, quote unquote, all these things we were going to do for God. But if you really look back, so much of that was ego driven or was comparison. I wanted to look successful like somebody else when in actuality on Sunday, that amazing gratitude that hit me was really the beauty of my exchange with my God and and the blessing and the favor and the peace of the purity of the kingdom actually being manifested in front of me. And it it didn't look like I expected it to look like 40 years ago, but this was so pure and so holy and so beautiful and more fulfilling to the depths of who I am than all the practical things that, and we celebrate all the practical things that are accomplished, but there's just something so much deeper. Um, And so, yeah, it's not man's opinion of success. Um, it's, It's God's opinion of success. And I think for all of that, it's as we are submitted to him, it may look different for each one of us. That's a good point, because I I feel like sometimes, and this could be true in some cases, you know, sometimes preachers will be like, well, fulfilling or seeking the kingdom of God is changing the world or influencing society, and that is part of it. But sometimes, like when I think of my grandmother, Mm -hmm. like she didn't do some of those quote-unquote things of like um, impacting society, but she prayed for people. and She did impact. She oh, she, ha- she she definitely has, but like sometimes, you know, like in this in the sense of what some people may believe oh is true impact, they wouldn't classify that as. But like when I look at her life, just the impact that she's made, not only in our family, just the people that she touches. Well, yeah, and you know when I talked with her. Um, recently, I think I asked her like, like how many people do you think that you've led to the Lord? And she has no idea. She like, there's no way to quantify it. And so I think that kind of speaks to what you were just saying is like, we look at our impact based on numbers and, and analytics. She doesn't have a and, ministry, but she's probably led more people to the Lord I, than most ministries. Yeah. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is she's not ca- counting. Yeah. That's not the point for her. She's not keeping track of the numbers to see how successful she is. She just values a life. Mm -hmm. And to her, that is what matters. So I I think that's a great way of like for us, for looking at like success is, am I I trying to quantify something 
in order to make me, to build me? Or is, is this really about the purity of, of the gospel or of what God's called me to do? And am I doing that? And in that in itself is success. My mom, when, um, and I don't know when she did this, it's since she moved up here. So there was a lot of years that she was living this before she ever uh, moved in with us when she was 81. And in November, she will be 100. So, uh, but I have this spiral bound uh, notebook and uh, she would go into all the nursing homes in the different places and she made a list of the people so uh, and what room they were in and blah, blah, blah. And so, so she would deliberately go after each person. And when, she, when they got saved, she put the date on because she wanted to make sure she got to those that didn't know Jesus yet. And in that spiral-bound book, behind almost every person's name is a date. And... And she only did that like in the last years of her life, maybe from the time she might have been 90 on or something like that. And uh, I found that um, and I thought, this is amazing. I've got to save this. And she wasn't doing it to keep count. She just didn't want any person to fall through the cracks. She wanted to be able to reach individuals. And now, you know, in the nursing home, she gets in her wheelchair and a new resident comes in. She's in that wheelchair going down there she to watches. hand him a trash. She yeah. watches for a new person. Yes. And <laughs> and if whoever visits that new person or a new employee or whatever it might be. And um, she is still just so motivated for people to come into the kingdom. And yeah, I mean, that is success. Um, and that she's... She's still seeking. Every day she says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit because she's ready to go home. But um, like her whole life revolves around her relationship with God. And um, so no matter how people may view her, she has been very, very successful in the kingdom. And, you know, and it's not about numbers. It's about a life that has been abandoned, you know, to the Lordship of Christ. And so for her, it was Jesus first, then it was her kids, uh, and then, of course, her grandkids, and then her um, external world, any person that came, you know, into her path. And yeah, she she keeps that alive. And I think when you went into it, I mean, she's quoting scriptures to you. Oh, yeah. She's not able to see, to read her Bible. She's, no. she, she quoted, can't she quotes hear very well. She quotes the entire 91st Psalm, which is not a short Psalm. No. And it, oh, I love, I just love it. She inspires me. Yep. Very amazing. And but one of her, one of her scriptures that she quotes, and I don't know it verbatim like she does, but she always says, you know, I've, I've, finished the work oh. or I've run the race. I've finished the work. Um, and therefore there is laid up for me a, a crown in glory. That's, those and are do not you know what words, she but, says after? And she always crown? says, but I don't need a crown except to throw it at his feet, <laughs> which is, I, I mean, that brings me to tears because that just shows yeah. like her success is, is Jesus. He is her prize. Um, so it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about here about, um, yeah, that success looking like obedience to him, that in itself is fulfilling. It is going to fulfill us in this world, I believe, but that doesn't mean it's going to look like the way culture would define that or, um, or, you know, how, how our world would see us as successful or not. And that's why I started out by saying that a kingdom has a king And Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes people uh, depersonalize the kingdom of God and just make it a collection of like principles. Well, this Mm -hmm. is what the kingdom of God looks like. That's good. Where, like I said, I think the point of this verse is to put your attention and your focus on the king Mm -hmm. and his righteousness and then all these other things. Mm -hmm. Like as we submit to his authority, then we are in the care of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so we have to remember 
when we talk about the kingdom that it's not always about what we are quote unquote accomplishing it's how we're connected to the king yeah absolutely absolutely yeah which often looks like well it always looks like putting him first yes um which is a foreign thing for us it's like what does that actually look like in a in a practical sense what does it look like to put the king of the kingdom first in our lives well i i remember we had um someone in the church that was a mechanic and there were things that he couldn't figure out on the or i guess the the dealership couldn't figure out so they sent it to him and <laughs> yeah. he and he basically said well lord what what is the problem mm-hmm. and the lord showed him and he fixed and god gave him the wisdom to fix it and i think that is a demonstration of seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness mm-hmm. it's like hey i don't have the answers for even this practical a scenario mm-hmm. or, or a solution for this practical problem, but I'm going to put my attention on you because you have the solution. And so uh, for some that might not seem very spiritual, but I would say that is very spiritual. It is very spiritual. When you put your attention and focus on the one that has the solution for everything that we face. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Like, uh, our, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh. Uh, well, even as you were talking, I was thinking like, like my mind just automatically goes to, well, well, God is love. So I need to look like love, but it's still, I am mm-hmm. still making it about Your effort. me yeah. instead of actually just looking to love. That's how I become love is by looking at love. Well, that's one thing really interesting about this verse. And I think we miss it sometimes. Uh, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yeah. Mm. Not, my Not righteousness. your righteousness. Mm. Don't seek or pursue after your righteousness. It says, seek after his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That was out of the New King James. So that was close to the King James. So, but not, not exactly the King James, but close <laughs> enough. And this, this verse or this translation is the New Living Translation. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. See how that's a little different? Mm -hmm. And he will give you everything that you need. But that kind of gives the impression that if you don't live righteously, you won't have all that you need. So something must be wrong. So seeking his righteousness is very different than seeking our own righteousness. Mm -hmm. So seeking his righteousness will ultimately, well, the truth is when we seek his righteousness, ultimately it will manifest itself in how we live. Mm -hmm. But one flows from understanding grace, right? Seek his righteousness, Mm -hmm. not my own. So one flows from understanding grace and the other flows from effort, which can be confusing because it can kind of look the same or similar externally. But it's important to make this distinction because the command is to seek his righteousness. So how does that look practically? So my effort is to know and to become acquainted with his righteousness. So then I receive and believe which will ultimately lead to an outward demonstration of a righteous of righteous living. Mm-hmm. But it first begins with receiving the gift of his righteousness. And I, it's so important to make that distinction because if we, if we interpret that verse of like, seek the kingdom and with every effort within you, live righteous. And, and I'm not saying that when, when we seek his righteousness, yes, it does manifest. Like that's, that's the outcome of it. But it's not out of our own strength. It comes from understanding and receiving the gift of his righteousness. So it's through Christ's righteousness that we are made righteous. And we have no ability to make ourselves righteous. Mm-hmm. So can you see why it's important to make that distinction? Because we can't put that cart before the horse. <laughs> so seek his righteousness. And then there will be an 
an outward demonstration of living righteously, but it is not out of my own effort. It's not out of my ability to make myself righteous because it's his righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's what he has done. And if it is all about our ability for us to be righteous, then we go back to the ego again. Yeah. Right? So look at all I am doing. Look at all these things. See how righteous I am when in an actuality, it's exalting ourselves above him. So it's not just what we do. It's it's the attitude, the mindset behind what we do. And like I said before, the, the kingdom of God is a reflection of the king. Mm-hmm. And we are a light in this world. We are a reflection or we have that light within us. Well, how do we do that? We have to know the king. Yeah. And so it's through his righteousness that we can ultimately live righteously. So, but... If we try to do it on our own strength, well, that's self-righteousness. And even though it can kind of look very similar yeah. on the outward, yeah. the effect is not the same. Yeah. When you think of Jesus, Jesus was ultimate righteousness. He was the perfect example of righteousness, but people wanted to be around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when so you good. put on the cloak of self-righteousness, it's actually sometimes can be repulsive. Yeah. So that's why when, yeah. when as a believer, it's seeking the kingdom or his kingdom, seeking the king, but also recognizing that it is his righteousness. We are to seek his righteousness, mm-hmm. meaning that we align with what he has done. And from that, yes, it will manifest manifest itself in a, in a practical demonstration. But at first, like the carpet for the horse, we have to first receive, believe, mm-hmm. and then function from that and not try to live, do it on our own strength. So simply what you're saying is when I experience his righteousness, then the overflow of that will be me modeling or be me, be me, be living out of what he has modeled in me. Yeah. So it wasn't birthed in me. It's birthed through me because of my relationship with him. And, and I want to make that distinction because if we think, well, if I'm going to seek the kingdom and his righteousness, if we put it in the framework of I need to do everything, quote unquote, right or earn right. or earn what it looks to be righteous, we're going to fall on our face. Yeah. <laughs> but it's seek the kingdom and his righteousness. So it's receiving what he has done, that he has given his righteousness to us, which we can't attain on our own. We have no ability to do that. So it's, like I said before, one flows from an understanding of grace and the other flows from our own effort to have an appearance of what we believe it looks to. And the funny thing is like when you look at the church world, some people say, well, this is what righteousness looks like. And another group says Mm -hmm. this and what you're not wearing this or you're not doing this or Whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it is our attention. Remember how I said this verse is really like, yes, and all these things will be added. Like that's the tag to what the real emphasis or the real focus of this verse is to put your attention back on the king and his righteousness. And then, yes, all these things will flow. And that where it says all these things is talking about your basic needs of life. Mm-hmm. But like I said, when you submit to his authority, then you're under the care of his kingdom. Yeah, there's a really simple prayer that some church sects um, use. They call the Jesus prayer. Uh, and it just says, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. And it's coming from the New Testament where people said that to Jesus. Mm. Um, and at first I wasn't sure how to take it because it, well, and some people tag on Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sometimes like that at first it was hard for me to grasp that like no I'm not a sinner I'm mm-hmm. saved like like I'm justified all of those things that yeah. maybe I'm a new creation yeah like mm-hmm. like certain you know that that shift in my mind but the more that I rehearsed that prayer like the more like it's it really started moving my heart because um it wasn't that the man wasn't saying Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. Like Jesus was going to beat him down. 
he was saying, Jesus Christ, son of God, I recognize who you are and through you is everything that I need. And so it's just this humbling to me. It's like that, like that shock to our ego to say, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. It's putting my eyes on the son of God, on him. And then in that humility and in that, that um, like recognition of who he is, that I am sustained, I am carried, like I am, I am cared for. Um, but it's just that like little shift of the heart to say, it's not about me trying to get it for myself and my own righteousness, but through him, I will, I will have everything that I need. He will to care for me because it's who he is. It's his commitment to creation. Yeah. So if your attention is on your own ability, you're going to live self-righteously. But if your attention is on his righteousness, then it, then it will flow out of, Hey, I re this is not my own ability. This is not on my own strength. Mm -hmm. He, uh, I think scripture would say, uh, Christ's righteousness was imputed to us. Like his righteousness was given to us. So coming from that place, you think th you look at the world very differently mm -hmm. when you can see it through that lens mm -hmm. versus, well, I have to do all these right things. I'm not saying don't do right things. I'm just saying if, if it's all coming out of effort, it's going to kind of have a, a funky effect on on the world around you. Well, either it would be obligatory or or even when maybe it's obligatory to do it. And as I do those things, now I'm exalting myself as better than someone else who might not do what I've just done. So all that self-effort really is contrary to his nature and his character. So it's ultimately in sabotaging my ability to really seek first the king of the kingdom because it's come out of my flesh. Actually, as you were talking, I'm going, wow, I, you know, because we get our little thing and I have all, and like almost all the things I wrote down were you know, the power of my choice to value what he values. And, and I had some things I thought were really good, but as you began to talk, Joe, I'm thinking, no, all those things that if I just do them because that's the right thing to do without keeping the main thing, the main thing that you just got done talking about, that is self-righteous. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I'm, I, I'm just going <laughs> to can everything I wrote down. Not that they are That's not what biblical I'm saying, like, and not that they're not good, but what is the heart behind those things? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I seek him first, but if I do that obligatorily to check it off my proverbial box, because I have my this routine. This is what it looks like. Yeah, versus... I have my routine. I get up. Father, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. Holy Spirit, I choose you. Make my cup of coffee. Go <laughs> up and read my word and pray in the spirit for a little bit. I have my routine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that becomes my religious works of righteousness, because that is my routine, it becomes mm -hmm. routine rather than it's just seeking him. Um, and most of those practices came out of beautiful encounters I had with the Lord. So I didn't just do it just to do it. It came from those things, but continuing to do those things, where where's the purity of its original motivation? So it just kind of like just shifted to really process, you know, periodically to stop and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, is this my works of righteousness or it is out of his righteousness and the beauty of being a daughter of the king or a son of the king and, and understanding his nature and his character? And yeah, because it's so easy in life just to be led by our mental routines or to be conformed 
to religious traditions of man, even though we are, we think we're not being religious, but we could be getting into religious traditions. But yeah, everything you just said just like challenged everything I wrote down. So it, I mean, it's beautiful. Well, that always stuck out to me. Like when I, because I, I mean, I, I knew that scripture verse, but I think it might've been a few months ago, maybe even longer than that. The, the, the phrase, his righteousness stuck out to me, pursue his yeah. righteousness. And that looks very differently than just living righteously. Now I will say when we pursue it, like yeah. mm -hmm. when we pursue his righteousness, righteousness, there is that outward expression of that to actually live right. righteously. Right. But if you're just viewing it, well, like, okay, I'm going to seek the kingdom. I'm going to live righteously. And then I have an expectation that all these things will be added. Yeah. But that's kind of like, like I did my duty. Now yeah. God, yeah. you do yours. Yeah. I kept, I kept this part. So now instead of just resting in the promise, you know, a demand and expectation. And like those things that you would have said aren't necessarily wrong. That's right. It's and just I know has, that they're not wrong, but. But it first, <laughs> it first has to flow That's through right. recognizing I am righteous because it is from his righteousness that I've mm -hmm. received it. And so seeking and, per, and like, like in this, in this verse, I think of seeking as like, meditating on it, yeah. like meditating mm -hmm. on his righteousness, what he has done. And if we do that, if that is our attention and our focus, then what will be the after effect mm -hmm. of that? What will then flow from, like I said, one, if we seek his righteousness, well, that flows from understanding grace. But if we understand this, well, I got to live righteously because I seek the kingdom, I live righteously, and then because of my effort, then all these things will be added. Well, that's out of our own effort. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of contrary to the good news. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the the weird thing is they kind of look very similar. So I can see why it's it can be difficult to decipher that, but that the the phrase, his righteousness, really stuck out to me that it's not about us. It's well, his. earlier, Katie, you said something about, you know, you experiencing his love and from you experiencing it, and it's an outflow of you. Uh, now it's flowing out of you. And so you, you're not loving someone else because that is the good, right, just, pure, godly thing to do, even though it is all those, but it, it was from what you received from him. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I've just been on like this, I don't know, period of time where like I'm letting those things like slowly sink into me of like, it is that daily day and night meditation on him mm -hmm. that really transforms a person. And I don't, it's just like everything in my human nature wants to make it my effort to transform me into the image of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I, everything in me is like, I can do it. I will do it. I need to change. I need to make it like all of these things. But it, it's like just this slow and he's so good and so gentle and so kind to like slowly let it sink into me of no, actually, when I focus on him, when I look at him, when I meditate on it, what does that mean? That my thoughts are directed towards him day and night. And what does Psalm 1 say? It says it will be like a tree planted mm -hmm. by still water. Like it, it's, it is, it is his plan. It is his goodness. It is his, um, the way he created us to look and to be like him. And that comes, that's the difference between Genesis one and Genesis two is when we trust in him to be our source of life, we are like him and we are the source of life for the world. When we don't, when we do it on our own ability, it's a broken world. <laughs> so it just is, it's just been and continues to be like, 
a constant like reminder inside of my heart, like seek him, seek him, seek him, seek him. That is where the transformation comes from. Yeah. Um, one thing in my consulting company that, that I really uh, capitalize on is not being driven, not fixing, not putting ourselves into that place where I'm driven to accomplish, driven to become something rather than functioning from that that healthy place of what I already have. And what do we already have? We have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. He becomes that well of life, right? He, he, he dwells within me and me pulling from who he is in me and having that relationship, having that connection and let what I do and who I am function from that rather than trying to get something or become something by my own strength. Um, and really when it, when I taste and see that the Lord is good, everything inside of me wants to walk that out. But it came from first tasting him and experiencing him. You know, I go back to, it's like, I, I've had so many beautiful encounters with God and I just, I return to those things. I return uh, to those experiences, recognizing that that was not sourced from melody. And there's there's just something so powerful of recognizing that when you when you do something or you make a decision, it came from him. It didn't come from me. Because fact is, we're without him, we are nothing. We don't make very good decisions. Uh, in our own intellect, but when we receive it from him, it's it's completely different. Our motive, our heart, and the fruits of those things are completely different. So yeah, this is this is a a conversation. I, I know the question was kind of like, well, what does this practically yeah. look like? And we did not make it that at all. <laughs> no, we didn't. But, but I will say that these these principles that we're talking about. If you can understand them, they do apply to you practically or yeah. they have a practical outlet. Like when you think of a kingdom has a king and we're under his authority, that like I gave the example of the mechanic asking the Lord, well, what's the problem? That is a practical application of realizing we don't have to do it on our own. We have a source mm -hmm. of life. We have a, a solution for all things in our king that has a kingdom. And the other one where we're talking about that we're seeking his righteousness and not our own, that has a practical application as well. So even though we're not specifically giving you practical examples, I think if you could understand these, these principles, they have a practical outlet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like I just have to check myself more and more often of like, is this... I or is this you? Like, am I making this decision out of... Because like, I think sometimes like when we're talking like this, it can sound like, especially like in a more charismatic world, it can sound like I have to wake up every day and I have to go before the Lord and I have to receive my instructions before I can make a move, like before yeah. I can live my day. But did you hear what you just said? I, I. have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that right there is your strength. Yeah. How do you... So like, to me, that's like a, a learning tool to just recognize, just to start to be aware of where I'm saying, this is what I have to do in order to be righteous or to be, to seek first the kingdom. Or do I just go, God, I give my, like, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you today. Um, you know, put, put my life in your hands and just, just pointing it back to him which I don't know, maybe that was unclear, but, but, but in my, like in my own life, that's just kind of the, that like step of awareness of how do I do this? Okay. It starts with this. Like it's, it's in your hands. I give it to you. You know, let me be led by you. Let, let me, you know, have mercy on me. <laughs> like, like through, through what happens today, have mercy on me for where I 
don't have it right, but thank you for your mercy that sustains me in this moment. And it, it just puts it back on him. And the only way to do that is to seek or pursue his righteousness. Yeah. That it's because of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just always putting it back on him. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the, when you shared about mercy, you know, it's, when the Father looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the price that our righteousness is in him. It's, it's not in us. And, and so really, that I, I really love what you said about, yeah, it's this place of mercy, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. But all of that directs us back to our Father and how he views us and the price well, and, that Jesus paid. And the more I've studied out mercy, like I always saw mercy as like, oh, don't crush me. Like I'm a sinner. Don't uh, crush me. Uh, but the more I've studied out mercy, it's it's his loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's his character. Mm-hmm that sustains. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about my sin. It's not about where I've gotten it wrong. His mercy sees, his mercy loves regardless of that status. He came, he died while we were yet sinners. That's his mercy. Like it's his loving kindness. It's his steadfastness, his steadfast commitment towards us. So that when I say have mercy on me, I'm saying, you're, you have such steadfast love and such steadfast commitment to me. Thank you. I'm humbled by it. Like I, I'm, I'm subject to your mercy, <laughs> but it like is a totally different way of looking at it. It's again, it's not about me. It's not about my sin. It's not about my inability to live up to it. No, it's about his ability to love me where I am and to call me to a higher standard. I remember the first time I really studied the mercy of God, and I was so drawn to do that. And I remember Joel was four years old. He was getting very close to five years old, and I was in this big study uh, about God's mercy. Uh, And everything that you just said is God's mercy. And um, I was going to go shopping uh, with a gal in the church, and... um, I went to bed and the Lord woke me up like three times and says, don't go shopping. Don't go shopping. Sounded and I go, like the devil. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't have any money to spend at that time anyway. <laughs> and um, no, but I was doing it. And if, if I didn't go shopping, you know, we're just pioneering a church and you don't want somebody to leave, right? You know, look at all the fear. Look at all these mm-hmm. works. And um, so I thought, oh man, if I do that, she could just leave the church. You know, I have to go. And, and so I get up and I said, okay, Lord, uh, it's calling to snow tomorrow. So if it snows... Uh, then I won't go. I wake up and it is snowing. And I go, I I have to go. I have to go. Long story short, uh, the kids couldn't go to school. And um, so uh, Rebecca stayed home with Stephen and I took Joel with me to go shopping. I know. And um, so, and I'm like, I'm real about this. I'm telling this whole story to Stephen before I go. But of course, what do I do? I get in the car and I go with them. And we're heading down. It's snow. The roads are icy. And, you know, we live kind of like in a little mountain. And we're going down this mountain. And the car just begins to spin. And we go and we hit this 16-wheeler coming up the hill. And while the car is spinning, my whole study on the mercy of God was flooding me. And this is probably seconds, you know, mm-hmm. that, but the mercy of God. And I said, yes, God, I lean on your mercy. I lean on your mercy. And to make a very long story short, when the car stopped, uh, you know, Joel comes up and he's just covered in blood. And I thought, oh my gosh, long story short, uh, you know, he had, he had some you know, cuts and bruises and different things that happened. But long story short, he was sitting right where that car hit that 16-wheeler. And just a few minutes before the car started to spin, he said, Mom, I feel sick to my stomach. And I said, okay, Joel, you come up and sit on my lap for a few minutes, but then you got to go back in the seatbelt. 
And he said, okay. And when he was on my lap and that car was spinning, the part of the car that was no more was where he would have been sitting. Mm -hmm. And um, when we got out of the car, I'm I'm just like, God, you're so merciful. And um, it, it was the mercy. Here I heard his voice, knew I heard his voice, still disobeyed, Yeah, but his mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because I was moved by fear. I was moved by our wanting to grow a church and do all these good things. Uh, and his mercy covered me and covered, and Joel still has scars. He can't shave his head. If ever you want to shave your head, he can't do it. His head's full of scars, you know? And but he's got a head of hair. He'll never shave it. But well, don't you guys love story time with mom? Yeah. But oh, I've got to tell you this part of the story. So here Joel is. It's um, he's sitting. We're in the um, fire truck, and the fire chief was there, and he puts his coat around Joel, and uh, which Joel was pretty impressed by that mm-hmm. fire chief coat. But he looked over at me because see, he heard me tell the story to his dad. And he looked over at me and he said, Mom, you should have obeyed God. <laughs> I go, yes, right. You're jo- right, Joel. I should have obeyed God. And um, so he was very aware his mom disobeyed God. <laughs> so, <laughs> we can laugh about this now, no, apparently. But, it, it was not funny at yeah. the time, no. But, um, yeah. So it's his mercy. What? His mercy is new every morning. Yeah. and. You know, his right, who he is, carries us in the midst of all these things. And we, we don't, we don't purpose to, well, you know, I did disobey God. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about that. But it wasn't because I didn't love God. It was, I was walking in the fear of man and I was just this young But I think like if, if I'm living every day with the, the focus to not sin, I'm going to be righteous mm-hmm. before my God. I am not going to sin. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's inevitable. So, so yeah. Do you want to? So, it, well, I was going to say so in that car wreck, you weren't hurt at all? Um, no, I wasn't hurt at all. <laughs> so, your disobedience affected your child? That's exactly right. <laughs> so, is this a lesson that we're really getting from this? Well, I don't know if that's a lesson, but that was it the facts lesson, of the story. And, Aren't you uh, glad I'm here? Yeah, oh, I gosh. am. <laughs> Very much so. Yep. God's mercy. Great story, but it is sobering when you think about it. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for bringing us, bringing that story up. <laughs> Are you being sarcastic right now? <laughs> no, I just know you like to bring stories like that up. <laughs> Um, I mean, what I was saying, like, is if my focus is on not sinning, like, then it's still about me. mm -hmm. So it's again, putting like, well, her whole thing was like, okay, I want to build the church, right? That's kingdom focus, right? In our (laughs) eyes, you know, I don't want to, but it was all fear-based. So it was was still self-preservation that caused her to disobey. So even though it fit into the classification seeking the kingdom, it was still very Mm self-focused. Yeah. Yeah. So when the Lord speaks... Even in his mercy, right? And do you want to hear one other aspect of that story? Before I went to bed that night, I was washing dishes. Mm -hmm. And while I was washing dishes, I heard an audible voice. And the audible voice, which was not God, it was the enemy. But that audible voice said, Joel will not reach his fifth birthday. And that was... So this was before the accident? Yeah, and your birthday was in three days. And then in the middle of the night is when the Lord spoke to me, and I disobeyed the next day. And uh, it just makes the mercy of God just so much greater because the enemy told me his plan. And it, it was audible. It was, look, I mean, look at God's amazing. He's like, bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you think of that, okay, if you're a five, I've been saved like maybe seven, eight years, something like that. And this baby believer and her husband are trying to pioneer a church because we love Jesus. We do crazy things, huh? I was just looking at my my actual notes that I took for this episode, and I said, practically speaking, <laughs> this looks like relationship with him. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I did have that. And, but like, good. it's a life of givenness to him that like he, he is my sustainer. And so I look to him for all things. So it's an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a relationship with his word that is good for correction and direction and reproof and doctrine and um, all those things. And um, there's a, a scripture that I used to have as my lock screen, but it says, uh, keep my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life through your word. It's in Psalm 119. Um, and that's just one that I like, I just rehearse. It's like, keep my eyes from looking at worthless things. What is What are worthless things? Things that I can attain on my own. <laughs> Those are worthless mm. things. And things that don't last. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. that's what that's what moth and rust decay. Yeah. Um, so building up treasures in heaven, what is that? Mm-hmm. It's keep my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life through your word, through mm-hmm. my relationship with you. That those are the treasures. That's abundant life. Those are things that the thief cannot kill, seal, or destroy from me. Those are things that he offers me, which is abundant life. And I think we can access that now. And it doesn't look like worldly riches. Those are the things that will not last. Um, but but storing up the treasures in heaven, I think it's both. I think it affects us now and that we'll experience abundant life on earth. And it's also that um, they don't, those treasures don't decay. They last forever. But it all comes from that outflowing of my relationship, my givenness to him. That's good. Amen. Well, I have something else, but I don't know if it needs to be said. I mean, you know, it's a critique critique of Christian nationalism. Oh, great. (laughs) So we'll end on that note. That could be another. <laughs> Maybe I might slip it in somewhere else. But. So you don't want to go there today? No, I mean, it's, okay. I mean, no. All right. I don't want to be uh, crucified. Um, <laughs> at least not today. At least not today or when people hear this. It is an important topic. So I don't know if we answered the the question, but we... I mean, I think we did. <laughs> it might not be the satisfying response they well, were we looking didn't give for. We a 10-step program, yeah, yeah. but I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, it's a one-step program. <laughs> Seek first <laughs> the king. <laughs> the kingdom and his and righteousness. his righteousness, yeah. So two steps. Two. Well, that's why we have two eyes. Connected. One eye on the king and one oh. eye on his righteousness. Well, okay. Well, hey. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it was extra biblical, but I, no, you know. actually, I love when we have a podcast like this that it impacts me while we're doing it, you know. And as we talk, it's just it's powerful, it's revelatory. Yeah, it's good. So hopefully, we don't have any more mom stories next time. Uh-huh. Well, there's I nothing. Like I mean, there's at least three or four that I almost died that she could bring up. <laughs> And you're still here. (laughs) I don't have mother issues. (laughs) If you did, I wouldn't blame you. That's why I did a lot of repenting through the years as well. Hey, I'm still here, right? Yeah. That could be a topic we talk about. Near-death experience? No, mother (laughs) issues. Mother issues. I don't know. You have a mother. I think everybody could relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking we talked a little bit about it before, but about mother issues? Well, our, Parent, how our families parental how our issues? families shape us. 
I don't know, guys, you guys are in the same room, but my parents might listen to this. So <laughs> they might. I don't know if they listen or not. You know, Probably the good like stance for mothers is every place that I've messed up, please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me let me move forward with a different way of I thinking. I think like I'm not even a mother now, like yet. And I hope that's what I, I can just go like, guys, I'm imperfect. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Here's a here's some money towards therapy. <laughs> go get yourself fixed up. <laughs> I always say you'll thank me later to my kids. <laughs> Yeah, because I can look back and see some things that I'm really glad I did it the way I did it. And uh, other things, it's like, Lord, have mercy. Have but, mercy. And he sure has. <laughs> well, I tell my kids I'm not a perfect parent, you know, so hopefully I train you well enough that you're a better parent than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the goal, and that's what legacy is about. It's like each generation improving. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure how to land this plane. (laughs) Should it be a hard land or? Well, I'll say the things. Okay, say the things. Uh, We would love it if you would make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, that you follow it on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Uh, And if you would rate us and review the show while you're there, that'd be great. Usually that's you scroll to either the top or the bottom of the show on your app and you can do that there. Um, and if you have any topic suggestions or comments you want to send in, you can do that at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to hear more stories where mom was disobedient to the Lord, uh, <laughs> let us know as well. <laughs> you forgot all about that story. Oh, how can I forget it? You bring it up like you bring up the well, trauma every now <laughs> Like how often do you talk about your kids on this podcast? It's just like... You know, well, I bring up like little things. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God you don't have big things to talk about. <laughs> or you're just not bringing them up. All right. Then it's all a part of growing in God, right? <laughs> well, hey, we're going to. You look where I was when I got saved. So that's just a few years into it. I had a lot of growth under oh my, my belt gosh. in those first seven years. As a producer, I'm thinking this is where I faded out. We're, we're, keep, we're still talking, and then it's fading. I mean, out I'm trying. I'm trying, but and somebody keeps interjecting. And people are probably like, oh, I want to hear what they say. Nope. <laughs> nope. You're not going to hear it. It's going to fade out. We'll just talk until we start another episode. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.